Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories podcast. I'm here today with a very special guest, a repeat guest, fan favorite, and friend of the firm, uh, Alex Bangash of TI Platform. Alex, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Uh, This is such a privilege. We had such a blast uh, talking. And so um, I'm uh, thrilled to be talking to you again. So Perfect. So I want to start by getting into one of the things that, that you really differentiate as an LP is that you are interested in disrupting VC. Uh, a couple of things we, we talked about, but we'll get deeper in this time. You're interested via studio model, sort of API model, your platforms. Maybe we can start zoom out and say, why are you so ex- excited about disrupting venture capital when all the other, or a lot of other LPs are just trying to ride the, ride the wave that VC has done well. They just want to see what's, what's worked and, and keep doing it. What's sort of the criteria that's leading you to say, Hey, no, let's disrupt this. So, you know, and that's, that's really at the core of, of, um, you know, thinking about, uh, early stage venture capital. Now, I, I have to make a distinction between early stage and, and mid, uh, mid stage or, or later stage. Most of the later stage venture capital is increasingly becoming more and more private equity like. And that's fine. You can get private equity type returns. And if you see, that's why you're seeing uh, crossover funds, you're seeing hedge funds come into venture, you're seeing all these uh, these other type of funds, um, private equity funds come into venture. Uh, but in true venture, there is no beta, right? There's only alpha, right? So that's how it's so different than other asset classes because some of the, some of the best managers in other asset classes they get rewarded for providing you beta. Yeah. In venture, there's excellent and there is bad right. and there is no middle. And say more about why why that is. That's because of the power law, yeah. right? There is the, it's not a Gaussian, it's not a normal distribution. So in all the other asset classes, it's a normal distribution. So when you give the beta, you're rewarded, all right? And, and don't get me wrong. So, so the traditional large funds, they will provide the beta and they will, they're increasingly becoming private equity type firms. And you, you know, we, we might even see uh, a BlackRock or a Blackstone uh, of venture capital. Maybe it's Andreessen, maybe it's Sequoia, right? But they will, they will be, the returns will not be 20x. They will not be, you know, what lowercase or, 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 or YC provided. Yeah. And does that mean there's this, there's this big bifurcation and that there will be the Andreessen and Sequoia, they'll be sort of taking over, you know, all these multi-asset firms, huge, enormous, look more like SoftBank, I don't know, for early stage. And then also there will be sort of this, on the other side, this micro fund, you know, uh, or nano fund sort of specialist, like just strong bifurcations and there'll be no middle in terms of fund size or how, how do you see that playing out? You know, it's, it's really, it's really hard to tell. I think what, what's actually going to happen is that there's going to be really strong funds on both the sides, right? So they will be the, the larger funds will become asset managers 
and these next generation funds um they will be i think they will be like nothing else that we've seen i think the closest analog that we've seen yc is the first fund that we've seen of that but we will have many many um you know and i hope that some of the models we back and some of the funds they will develop into those and that's it goes back to the you know it goes back to this i think and think of you know you're, you're a tech investor you've seen that you know you always want to have a 10x improvement in tech right and the whole whole silicon valley started like that you know you had william shockley come there was a transistor then uh, then then gordon more created um, uh, fairchild semiconductor and there was an integrated circuit and then intel created the microprocessor as a trans you know it was there was a in venture capital we're stuck at the transistor level right nobody's you know maybe they've created you know um yc is created or ef created the ic right now but there'll be microprocessors right so there's and then there will be the you know there'll be more's law so that's what i'm most interested about um and that's where i see you know that there is enormous room for disruption yeah and and let's double uh, hone in on what is sort of the macro conditions that are that are lending it to you mentioned before this meeting you know uh it's easier to start companies today but you also mentioned secondaries well why don't you talk a little bit about so so of course you know um just earlier this morning i was with one you know one of the platform funds that we've invested in one did uh, one of their gps he's he's like oh i started a studio in in the 19 in the 90s right well studios today are much you know they they it's a different time wrong time in the 90s um the the core uh, you know at at the outset the, the biggest thing today uh you know from 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 afar is the cost of companies going down right founders can build portfolios but the biggest driver of disruption is actually not just the cost of companies going down it is the sink of common stock right so for the first time this is for for venture capital right for the first time you are able to compensate uh vcs or you can compensate portfolio builders with common stock and and it's actually a rule breaker right so just like in you know if you look at paul graham paul broke a lot of rules uh things before yc you were not supposed you were only supposed to invest in preferred stock uh you were only supposed to you're supposed to get on boards you know you're supposed to um not invest in competing companies right and so Paul broke all those rules just like iPhone they broke all the rules of you know you were supposed to conserve bandwidth BlackBerry was the best because it conserved bandwidth it was like no we're going to we're going to hog bandwidth they brought AT&T to its rule so it's the same a lot of these new funds they're breaking the rules so if you look at look at this innovation that's happening with studios and and platforms they're taking advantage of common stock as another vector for for um, you know for capturing the upside upside for themselves you know so so that's that's what that's what makes it so so interesting in addition that's why it's so misunderstood right lp you know lps misunderstand it when they look at platforms they say oh this is spray and pray and this doesn't doesn't make sense you need to come and and also other vcs misunderstand it. it's like yeah well, you guys are you guys are keeping common for yourself you're not giving it to the founders well 
excuse me, these guys are the founders, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they are the founders, just like a, just like a, a, a you know, a, a founder goes and they hire a VP of marketing, a VP yeah. of sales. Now you have the studio founder, they're hiring CEOs for each one of their businesses, yeah. right? They're building, they're doing the zero to one, they're building. So the biggest driver, the biggest driver of disruption is common stock, yeah. but it's also the most misunderstood. And you know what? I love it. I love things that are misunderstood because that's how they can be contrarian. Yeah. If everybody understands it, then they're going to pile in, you know? So, so you, you have this realization that you want to disrupt venture capital. How, how do you think about, you know, Paul Graham broke a bunch of rules. How do you think about what rules you are most interested in, in, uh, in sort of founders of, of new platforms breaking, uh, versus the ones that you can't break? And how have you come to your thesis over time? It's, it's, um, I would say there's a very fine line, right? You want people who have immense vision. They almost have like, uh, like Steve, Steve Jobs. They have a reality, reality distortion, uh, feel right they get everybody um by the same time there's certain things that are, that the rules that we don't want to bake are those of you know ethics and 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 you know kind of long uh long-term thinking ethics you know so i'm happy to you know most of the things that we're backing are not the ones that are getting up rounds right now and they're the hottest fund in fact we're backing some of the funds that that are not hot you know i want to back things that are really long term um but you know where we don't want to compromise is you know is on ethics and and you know people who missionary people right so the filter is yeah we will back the crazy rule breakers, yeah. but the ones that are missionaries, not the ones that are mercenaries, right? And uh, you know, so that's that's kind of that's kind of the filter. It is a it is a you know it is a hard um, you know it, there is a there is a balance there. You yeah, know? totally. And so let's go let's go through one one by one platforms. This is an example like Saster. Like how, what defines a platform for you? How do you think about, or is it more like EF or what, what is a platform for you? You know, so I think, yeah, um, I mean, you know, since, since then we've seen, you know, I, I think Saster and, and EF and, um, heavy bit and, you know, so, so anything where you can do programmatic investing. And the reason why programmatic investing becomes so amazing is that um, you can deliver deliver services in a scalable manner. And and from a returns perspective, platforms are are almost designed for the power law, right? So one of the things which has happened is with right now we're living in a very noisy environment. I mean, you know, we're going to have YC demo day. You know, it's, it's amazing, but you know, most people don't understand on, on demo day, YC is going to graduate more companies than a, a typical venture fund has invested in its history, right? So there is no, this myth, this myth of being a great picker or even getting picked. At first there was a myth of just like, I am a great picker. Right. Well, this guy's a great picker. It's like, there is no great picker. You can't pick. Right. Nobody. And then people were getting picked. Right. It's like, yeah, you can get picked if you're good at, you know, machine learning or you're good at, uh, you know, uh, uh, deep tech, et cetera, et cetera. But what if the biggest thing doesn't come from that sector, doesn't come from that geography? Right. Um, so so increasingly, especially at the earliest stage, at the later stage, that still still applies to some extent. But at the very early stage. You know, the, the, the platform is, you know, all these people are like gamblers and the platform is the house. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. The house always wins, you know, and so it's, and it's so hard to build. 
the authentic platforms are so hard to build right um you know so and i think we're just at the beginning you know you yeah. you, you saw uh, and daniel gross announced something i i think the new platforms are going to build you know they're going to build break new rules you know the rules were actually there are three or four of four platforms that i'm so interested in they are saying you know for the longest time the biggest rule in vc was i'm only going to invest in people that i know and that I can vet and I can look at their eyes or, you know, the first rule was they're, they're in the 30 mile radius or 10 mile radius, whatever, right? And now there are people building platforms and they say, we're only going to invest remotely. We're just going to do a Zoom call with people and give them money. And it's like the biggest rule you can break. And it's so, it's so fun because the you know going back to disruption and you know the my, it was so sad that Clayton Christensen passed away. It's because the competitive they can't be a competitive response from all these other people, right? So one of the traditional venture funds is never going to say, "Hey, we we used to spend twenty hours before we made an investment. Now we're just going to do a Zoom call for twenty minutes and make an investment." So yeah, and so what what is criteria to you that determines like a true platform? Um, or like, what, what, it's hard to do, but what, what makes a great platform? Like, how, how does one even think about building? What do you need to have to have a platform? I, I think that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's almost this thinking of, you know, firm building. Yeah. Most Let's people, most people, you know, most VCs, and that's why it's so hard. I mean, you know, our, our good friend, um, Justin Khan is, yeah. you know, trying to disrupt the legal space. There's no, no innovation in the legal space because it's, you know, you can't invest in it. You can't, you know, you have, you have great lawyers and then they have some great associates and you can build a great firm, but you can't, you know, automate the workflow. You can't automate. And so part of that, you know, it's so hard to, to think about the firm building side, right? So I think, I think what you do, you know, uh, you know, what we look for, for in, in, in platforms is how much of that firm building is done, right? And how authentic it is, you know? So after YC came, there were a number of, you know, number of uh, copycats, uh, you know, of course, there were, there were some, there were some that, that were, you know, that had their own kind of authentic vector yeah. uh, along which they, um, they innovated. Now you're seeing the same with EF. EF was completely orthogonal to IC, right? And now we're seeing some of these new remote work platforms be orthogonal to those um, as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, and we're also seeing these verticalized, like Saster, and you can imagine. Yeah, Saster, this vert- verticalized Saster is, you know, great, great example. Uh, you know, then there's now, you know, nobody want to look, wants to look at developer facing things. You know, um, Heavybit has done is doing developer facing. Yeah, totally. And how about the API uh, ones? Because that, that one of the three is the most um, or less least clear to me in terms of have you seen anyone build a fund there yet that's interesting so so, i mean everybody wants to build a fund there and that's the hardest because today today these funds um you know uh uh, actually the the plaid founders before their um their acquisition or even after they said yeah we're gonna build a build a fund right Stripe is leading some some deals, right? Um, and you've seen a few others. Uh, of course, Slack has their own fund. You know, I have we haven't seen. I probably that will be the hardest to build. It would be hardest to build because the question is, you know, how do you um, uh, how do you build a fund 
from balance sheet or with third party capital and uh, you know um because you have so many stakeholders right you have you have the vcs especially most of the most interesting um, um, tech companies are vc funded you have the vcs on the board you have the founders how much of their time goes into it uh, yeah so we haven't but we we we're, we're looking i will tell you this in 2030 you know and this is very high very high like likelihood one of the top 10 vc funds globally will be you know some sort of an api based yeah yeah no it makes ton of sense i mean yeah. if you have special access to special data then- you have access to special data proprietary data and it's allowed in every other asset class it's not allowed right yeah. um of course the people are clamping more and more on data you know um uh, but but um yeah so but the mechanics of those we were constantly talking right we're talk constantly talking so uh, you know this is um, uh, an ask from your um, from your uh, you know great uh, uh, listeners so if anyone has a great idea you have a great product you know we're happy we're happy to fund you so um, you know on the on the api space actually when toby letkey did his um, did his series b uh, in his series b announcement when Bessemer led the uh, series uh, series B. They said, uh, you know, there is a 10 million series B. They said, oh, we're going to set aside a million dollars to invest in the best in the best best wow. uh, of best of our customers, right? Yeah. So it's you know, totally. Yeah. It, it is interesting. This, I mean, there are a lot of people who are trying to get differentiated data, even separate from API, whether it's data for sourcing. You know, social capital tried this thing. You know, capital uh, as service, or on the evaluating, or on i guess signal fire is doing something with recruiting to be able to help their companies have or you know tribe uh, or your know, social capital 2.0 they they try to do a bunch of things on, on the data side too are there things that you're interested in there in terms of where is data an unfair advantage i think i think um, so i'll take the contrarian view i i think these are becoming table stakes right so 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 you you have to it's just the same as you know when when fred wilson blogged and then you right, know I, you know yeah it was an advantage but now if you're blogging it's not an advantage if you yeah. if you have a if you're a vc and you have a podcast or something so almost or or a, or a newsletter it yeah. is a table stakes now, totally. right so i i think i think um th- those things are becoming table stakes and actually you're seeing much less of that in 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 bay area why because if you're in silicon valley you're connected you know you you you're a facebook alum you're a, you know the thing is a, your partner is a dropbox alum you, you you went to yc you know you went to stanford you're connected in all those networks and maybe they'll atrophy in a few You, you know in 20 years they'll atrophy but you're you know you, you're connected in those networks um you know, what we're seeing the most innovative things coming out of europe right because europe is so fragmented right so if if you you know if you're in berlin well you don't know what's happening in stockholm you don't know what's happening in in uh, in madrid so a lot more people if you look down under the hoods almost everybody has kind of this uh, you know database sourcing yeah. engine built, built up I, frankly i have not been that impressed yeah. i think most of it is you know marketing or some of it is just required it's just you have to do it because it's so the, the world is so noisy now totally let's talk about studios uh this is one of your favorite topics it's been just misunderstood people yeah. you know hate on studios so, so much for a bunch yeah. of different reasons they say it's unfair for the founders uh, you you'd never get the best founders uh etc et 
um, we were talking about before this podcast and you mentioned there's a lot of companies that people don't know about that have come out of studios. Yeah. So, uh, shed some light on the studio debate a little bit. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's the most misunderstood. And, you know, again, this is, I love it. You know, why? Because the more they hate on it, the more, the more people don't invest in it. And the more people don't invest in it, the more, you know, we have things that others, you know, uh, can't do or won't do. Um, so I, I, I love it. And, but if you look back to some of the, you know, the, the, the knee jerk reaction is the same reaction with many is like, you're going to get adverse selection, right? Actually, it's the exact opposite, right? If you look look at YC, that was argument made for YC. They were getting the best best founders, right? And now we're seeing this EF. They don't get bad, you know. They get the best people to come join EF. And also, so these are these are these were incubated companies, right? So most people don't know that Snowflake. Was was incubated by Sutter Hill. <laughs> That's twelve point six billion dollars, yeah. right? So oh that was God. was that adverse selection there? People haven't heard of Sutter Hill, but people have heard of Sutter Hill, but they don't it. make the connection. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Snowflakes twelve point six. Yeah, that's an incubated company by Sarah Hill, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, who knows how much of what, what they own, but that's why Sarah Hill's returns are legendary, right? Uh, even in this really com- uh, competitive uh, space, their LPs, you know, uh, swear by their returns, you know. Uh, and, and then, you know, you have, you know, you know, You've seen, um, you know, uh, Front is a great com- company, uh, and you know, Front was incubated by by uh, e founders. Wow! You know? Did I know that? Yeah. So many, many people don't, and and actually, I have to, and you know, I have to educate people. It's like, look, so many of those uh, these companies were were uh, were incubated. So I think that that is uh, that is uh, uh, um, the the you know a common mis- misconception. It's the biggest one. Um, the other thing which I which I love about about this is um, unlike almost everything else that we have in the on the firm building side, uh, VCs um, have a half life. Yeah, you know your networks atrophy, and you know I'm really fortunate to work with some amazing uh, uh, funds and some amazing founders, but I've seen like you know if you've been in a network, whether it's the PayPal network or Palantir network. After a while, it just starts atrophying, right? The people get too rich. Each very successful, or you know, it's time erodes that. You know, studios are one of the few models where you have compounding advantages. You just get better and better. You get better at building. You get better at distribution. You just get better. You know, and and that's uh, and that's so. Thing. Same with plat- platforms, of course, have network effects, right? So you know, um, the, you know, I was like, you know, uh, how many how many alumni has YC, right? YC has four thousand co- alumni company. EF in a year or two will have four thousand, eight thousand alumni. Uh, you know, how do you compete with those, right? It's really really hard for a micro fund or a nano fund to compete. You're almost like playing roulette in those cases. Right? Right. So these compounding advantages are the ones which uh, which are so, uh, you know, um, so strong, um, but they take a long time. Right. So it, and that's again, that's so great for me. That's so great for yeah. me because when I, when we invest, right, this year, um, you know, this year, probably I invest the slowest I've ever in the last 10 years. Even though it's one of the hottest years. For it's one of the hardest years I've invested yeah. the slowest. 
And and the things I've invested in, they're going to mature maybe four or five years from now. So in some sense, I've gotten extra vintage diversification. Because look, nobody can time the market. I think it's a great time to be a founder. I think it's a great time to be, um, you know, to be in tech, you know. And I don't profess to, uh, to, 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 to see which vintage will be good. But I know 2009, 10 and 11 will be better vintages than 17, 18, 19, right? It's just like there's just too much capital, you know? So, so and just the, 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 the you know, the, the quality of founders, the quality of, you know, everything. So I think from that perspective, you know, um, so, but, but these things, they will take a long time, right? So you, you end up, uh, it's self-selecting on, in two different ways, you know, the missionary founders are doing this, right? Because they're not running after the hottest sector, the hottest things like, okay, I can raise money in insure tech distribution and I will get, you know, or I can do a, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm seeing, you know? Totally. And how do you, how, how do studios differentiate for you? Like what, what is really a defensible about different studios? What are you looking for in your studios? So I think that's so, you know, uh, so great for me. Whenever I look at like, you know, of course, as you know, I've funded a lot of amazing, uh, um, seed funds and very lucky to work with them. But in some sense, the more seed funds you invest in, the more they compete with each yeah. other. Right. And, and so, so in some, in some, in, in some sense, they're creating their own competition because their LPs are getting bigger and they want, they want to have a portfolio. You guys have done really well. But, you know, either they become very big or their LPs invest in 10 other seed funds. And, and then you have more competition and you have a really noisy environment. I think the beauty about, about studios are is that by and large, they don't compete with each other. Right. It's, a, it, it's, it's like backing a single founder. Right. I mean, now some people say, well, well, at the atomic level, everybody's competing because you're competing for talent. Yeah. But, you know, the, the way I look at it, uh, you know, they are less competitive. Um, and it's just, the, you know, it's the ethos of the founder amplified um, uh, with, 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 the, with the studio. Yeah, totally. Um, do you want them to be vertical specific or broad or? You know, they have to be authentic. And we kind of also step back into, into why I think, um, you know, why I think these studios will, will, um, you know, why studios and why platforms. It's primarily, primarily because when I look at, we're talking about capital, right? Yeah. Today, there's so much capital and more capital is coming into it. And frankly, the reason why there's more capital coming into this asset class, um, into tech in general is because we have 17 trillion of negative yeah. interest rates, right? We have countries just printing money, uh, right? So uh, Ray Dalio just recently said, cash is trash, yeah. right? So cash used to be king. Cash was king. Ray Dalio said, oh, we, we're going to go through these, these uh, different cycles. And today, you know, um, market cycles may make less sense. Well, well, if market cycles make less sense, you know, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is the production of, of startups and the, and the curation of talent, right? So that curation of talent is do, be, being done by these studios and, 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 and the production of startups is being, being done by these studios, um, and, and platforms. So that's, that's, that's the reason. So does it make sense? <clears throat> you know, 
We've invested in some general teams, like we just invested in a studio called Marantix. It's doing, uh, uh, um, uh, it's doing, uh, AI. Um, but AI is, is AI is a horizontal. It's like AI today is like what so- software was in the nineties. Yeah. Everything has AI, right? What I don't like and what I never will do, um, is I, I don't like, uh, very sector specific things because venture is historically very, very cyclical and, and, and sectors tend to be cyclical. So if you take, if you take cyclical, uh, industry and you overlay another cyclicality, it's just, it amplifies it to two, three X, right? So, um, so, you know, and you've actually seen there was used to be, there was a semiconductor fund, yeah. you know, and, and all the smart investors are in it and 0.2 X or 0.3 X. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, totally. So when LPs, you know, endowments and such are thinking about portfolio diversification among their VCs, are they doing, should they be doing it by sector or are they doing it by geo or how do they slice up the world in terms of if they have a few venture uh, firms in terms of their practice? I think they, they do it by the three ways they do it is by sector, uh, geo and stage. That's how you know, traditional venture firms have done it, right? They, that's the, the only way, the two vectors they can innovate on is they can have, go to a new geography or they can do a new sector, you know? Is a, a Sequoia can have an, uh, a China fund, and Lightspeed can have an India fund, you know? And recent can have a bio fund or a crypto fund. So that's how they innovate. And that's those are the two vectors that LPs invest in. What they can't do, what they can't do is they can't change their product. And they can't change their business model. That is, that again is the disruption, right? So, so NYC is a different business model, you know, uh, a studio is a different product. So it's really hard for incumbents to, to, yeah. to change the business model or to change the product, yeah. you know, so. So many branch off questions. I mean, one on the picking side, going back to earlier conversation about you can't pick anymore. It's interesting because the paradox they'll notice is, Hey, there are more startups than ever before. Picking is more important because you have to separate the wheat from the from the chaff. And to you, what do you say to that? But there's more noise, right? There's more noise. There are more star- startups, but then you don't see them, right? I mean, you know, um, how are you going to see a startup in Paris? Might be a great great startup. You might have a great brand, but you know, so so that's that's the that's the. So picking is more important, but it's also it's harder than ever. It's and harder then- than ever, right? I mean, yeah, you can have a Zoom call, you can have this, or it might not be in a sector that you know of, right? And a lot of people completely missed uh, crypto, right? Because they, they didn't even know crypto till 15, 16, right? Totally. <laughs> you know? And so the best thing is to have a platform that sucks up enough of them at favorable economics, ideally, such that you can, yeah. you don't oh, have you, to be a great picker. You don't have yeah. to be a great picker, right? And it's like, yeah, with, with picking, you're almost playing roulette. You yeah. Know? I hear totally. you're the house. You know, yeah. it's like, okay. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, just picking is, is important. And, you know, and some people still get picked, you know, but it's becoming less and less important. Right. right? And by get picked, did you mean sort of the WhatsApp Sequoia example? Like you win it, yeah. the, the, yeah. the, yeah. 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 the company seeks you out? The company seeks you out. Yeah, totally. And the studio thing makes a lot of sense because sometimes I question, why does VC even exist, right? There's capital yeah. and then there's founders. Yeah. And then to the capital just goes straight to the founders. <laughs> Yeah, and in- increasingly, you know, I, I think increasingly, yeah, it's going to go straight to the founders, you know, so you don't, um, and, and those, those founders can then, you know, the, you know, again, this is the biggest, 
it's, I, I'm a big fan of Peter Thiel. I'm a big yeah. fan of Founders Fund. It's just ama- amazing, right? I was like, Peter just recently uh, said in one of his talks, he's like, I think Elon Musk is the wrong you know, he's the wrong archetype and role model for founders because, you know, he's building multiple companies. That's too hard. And, you know, that's exactly the kind of people I want to back is the, the people who are doing things that are so hard that they, you know, it, it's not a question of people trying to copy them because it's so hard to copy. It's also so hard to fake. Right? Any idiot can 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 seed investor. You can just write checks. Anyone can get lucky, right? But it's so you can't fake building a company. Right? You can't fake getting customers. Totally, and it's interesting because you you've, you're excited about a few of these models that are disrupting venture. And there's another sort of version of model that you're less excited about. Uh, the, the scout programs. You're not excited about scout programs. I'm curious. That scout programs sort of evolved into the micro funds, micro nano GPs. Basically, the idea. Behind them is, hey, founders are better determinants of who the next best founder is than, than VCs or, or founders see them first because they have special relationships or, or the founders would pick the other founders over VCs and thus, uh, you know, firms should give them, uh, capital to invest on their, on their behalf. And then micro funds is, hey, now that they have more leverage, they don't need to work with any individual firm and can work with, uh, you know, can, ra- can raise funds. You're, you've been critical of the scout trend. I'm curious for, to unpack that and then how you think about sort of the nano GP trend. That was what I did in 2005 to 12, right? Or all things. So I'm not saying that that trend is completely, completely play, played out. Um, there's some amazing people that came in the last generation, right? Um, Chris Saka and Steve Anderson and, you know, many, many others, you know, and they have amazing returns. I was lucky to be involved with some of those. Uh, and I think there is the next generation of those coming as well. I think there's, there is now a perfect storm. So I, I've talked with some of the best of those nano funds and some of the most connected. And this is what they tell me, right? There's a yes. Founders are seeking me out, but guess what? In Silicon Valley, um, you, you've been, you've been to this. The, the average round, especially with a hot founder or something, the average round is now over 20. In some cases, <laughs> closer to 40, right? And then there was, and, and they're so dilution sensitive, right? They all, they only want to raise 2 million. It's 2 million on 25. And by the way, we, you know, they'll take 200 from Lightspeed, 200 from DCVC, 200 from, you know, um, somebody else. And so, you know, you get 200, maybe if it's Europe, it's the Europe, well-known founder in, actually we've invested with somebody like that and they're on, on the PowerPoint, they got 100K allocation and the pre-money was 37, this is 37 million seed and one of the top VCs put two, you know, led a $2 million round and they got 100K allocation. So I'm not saying that those those people don't have access, they're not sought after, they are, but now the economics stop making sense. Round size is too high, um, uh, round size is too small, valuations too high and then the fund size don't scale, right? You That works for a 3 million dollar fund like Rahul raised but guess what doesn't work for a 50 million dollar fund anymore right uh, so you start competing so that's so I'm not I'm not saying that they will not get into the you know the next big company but then again there's so many of them and again it's it's roulette right totally. and so there are dozens of these firms that have emerged in the last year or so do you expect that to continue uh, increasing you know everyone can be able to start a fund 
what happens to their fund three? You know, do they stop doing this after what? How do you sort of think think about this trend played out five more years? I think it's amazing for um, you know, it's um, it's a it's an amazing feeder yeah. for the the platforms right it's an amazing feeder for the platforms even amazing feeder for the some of the studios right because some of these founders are really value add you know the way i look at it these are the merchants on on shopify and amazon right i want to find the shopify and amazon you know the merchants on Shopify and Amazon will do great, right? But you know it's it's fine. I will give the, the let other people make money off those right. people, and they'll do fine for themselves, yeah. right? But I want to find people who are building a Shopify or building an Amazon. Totally. I mean, just and so, but Andreessen is not the Shopify or Amazon or Social Capital or some some of these bigger firms. You don't see. Uh... Well, you know, I I I'm I'm talking at the seed level, right? I th- I'm talking at the seed level, and at the end of the day. Um, I love Andreessen. I think Andreessen's done a phenomenal um, job. They've built a, a true platform at the, at the later stages. But I think of the most significant funds, um, and they, they 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 probably have the best shot at becoming like a BlackRock for venture, right? And They're what, already an RIA. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about first round? So are these classic, or I guess Floodgate or Felicis, or sort of these classic seed firms well, that have done very well? Multi, they're multi... Some of those have become multi-staged now, <laughs> you know. So some, I think, I think they're, I think they're great. They will be, they will, they will do great at what, what they're doing. But they're evolutionary. They're not revolutionary, right? Do I mean, you, do you think of Spearhead as a Amazon or a merchant or some, some of these, those types of models? You know, look, a- I, I love, uh, you know, I love uh, what Angelist has done, what Naval has done. And, you know, she's like true, uh, true leader um, in this in this space. I think there's a little bit of a difference between, um, you know, things that are truly disruptive yeah. um, and then also things that are um, that are executed to ex- institutional grade. Yeah. Right. So a lot of the things that we see, they start disruptive. Um, but they never get institutional scale or yeah. they don't become institutional grade, right? So that's, that's a really big challenge, right? right? So, um, so, I mean, some of the names that you, that you think, I don't have to think, you know, they will be great for angels. They'd be great for, you know, it's the same with the syndicates, right? Yeah. It was like the syndicates were fantastic, right? But, but it was, you know, all of venture was more like a yeah. blip, right? Not, not that I, I, I love Nawal. I think he was yeah. the, one of the smartest people, totally. one of the people I respect the most. But, you know, it's like, YC had the much big, he himself, I think you pointed, you pointed out in, I think he himself tweeted that, that YC was the most significant, right? Totally. So it's this question of, question of who is doing stuff that's going to be most, most significant. Totally. And then you need to get, you know, you need to get, you need to be institutional grade. Yeah. And, and you need to get to scale, right? It's it's not the first to market; it's the first to scale. Yeah. Is your version of a moat, or basically the Amazon in the space, is it basically someone who has pricing power? I.e., if you don't have pricing power, can you still be an Amazon or or, uh, or have a moat in the space? In your in your opinion, i.e., get common stock. People uh, focus on, on on the consequence of pricing power more than you know that pricing power is a consequence. Yeah. 
right? It wasn't, it wasn't the reason why Amazon succeeded. Amazon succeeded because of their customer obsession. People forget that. They got the pricing power once the, they made the user experience so great for, for, you know, same deal with Apple, right? I mean, whatever, it's, it's either you, you become price insensitive or, you know, people focus on Amazon's pricing power. Amazon still isn't the cheapest. It's just the user experience, their customer obsession is so much better, right? right. So I think it's the same. When you have a better product, then you, then people care less, yeah. right? And it's, just, it's the same with it's the same with um, with studios, right? The misconception with the studios is well, the good founders are not going to join them. Well, if the good founders um, in an ordinary situation they need to have three co-founders, they need to you know spend eighteen months of their life doing zero to one, and somebody else figures that it out for them, they have a uh, uh, you know a startup they can join and get good equity without, uh, you know, with the zero to one taken care of, they're going to join it all day long, yeah. right? So it's the same, same thing. So um, it's not so much, the pricing power is a, is a consequence. The pricing power is not the, um, you know, it's not the driver. Yeah. Does the customer obsession in your view have to be on the founder level versus on the investor level? I, I spearhead is trying to create the best product for, uh, for investors or other people are trying to create the best product for to track the best angels or best investors and thus have access to the founder that way. But is your view that that can work or is it that it has to be on the customer on the founder level? So I, I always, I have always seen this right in kind of in, in, in venture capital. I've always seen that the, you know, the, the, the founder is the customer the investor is the stakeholder so this is not original i think that's that's i think that's always true right so so you have to be really really focused on 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 the founders right in some sense that's why you know the kind of the studio model is so great is because you're going directly to the the value creation right at the end of the day you know we could we, we could talk ad nauseum about you know great pickers or great uh things you know Look, in real estate, do we ever talk about people who are really good at buying houses or picking houses? No, you talk about great architects, right? So at the end of the day, it's, you know, they could be, could be a good picker, but at the end of the day, it's the people who are, who are building these right. things. Yeah. So you spent a lot of time, uh, on the LP side, very familiar with, with the LP ecosystem. How do you expect the LP ecosystem to evolve in the next, you know, uh, five to 10 years? You know, will it mimic? There's an argument that says it'll mimic sort of how VCs evolved in the sense that they became more founder friendly and transparent because they became a commodity and founders, uh, you know, they need to compete to get founder money. It, do you see something similar evolving or how do you see the LP, uh, ecosystem changing in the next few years? I think. Definitely some of that. That that was always the case with venture. Like with venture, you know, um, the best funds uh, could pick their institutional investors. Um, so that was always the case. Um, and I think over time, that's that's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be one very big trend on the LP side that you will see over time is that they're becoming more and more conscious of fees. Right. So I think you, you're seeing more LPs now invest directly into companies. Yeah. And I think over the next 10 years, you know, you will see this amplify yeah. uh, significantly. Um, there were some false starts in the past, but now, you know, especially since, um, since, uh, you know, 
Um, look, the, the 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 big funds are are constantly trying to preempt that. They're like they're raising the growth funds, they're raising opportunity funds, and you know, I was like, look, you, you know, we don't we want to take you guys out of business. Don't come into our business, right? In fact, that's what they tell their big you know big LPs. It's like we are putting you out, we are raising a five billion dollar fund or three and putting you out of business, right? But I think that trend is now, um, you know, that that trend is not going to recede. Uh, so mm-hmm. you're going to see more and more co-invest especially at the later stages right yeah totally is is the two and 20 model going to change you think um not for the foreseeable future i think that will continue so i mean to to you know one way to think look i don't want i don't want to i want to make a lot of enemies saying i'm going to disrupt venture i think what what is happening i'm I'm going to displace venture right so so traditional venture funds um, what has happened is companies are staying private longer. So when they're staying private lo- longer, most, if you look at the Fidelity, Franklin Templeton just bought Leg Mason for, you know, $5 billion. Now they have $1.5 trillion in assets. Now all these asset managers used to invest in, in public equities. Now, if companies are staying private longer... You know, uh, SpaceX now raised money at 35 billion. I think probably it'll be 200 million billion before they go public, right? That means other people will need to own it. That means some people will need to get out of it, right? So you will have this whole, uh, you know, VCs will, will take the space of these large public managers now of course it won't be those vcs that can get institutional Um, they will get displaced um and that that's that's kind of you know that's that's how i see the evolution um where where vcs will become vcs will basically become your asset managers yeah it's interesting the the, people talk about uh sort of vc founder misalignment sometimes because uh vcs want you know founders to go big or go home and there are more and more companies today that are can get to big, especially SaaS, can get to uh, meaningful scale, but not necessarily venture scale. And so one thing I think people don't think about is that the incentives often come from the LPs. And so uh, how do we think about LP versus found misalignment or what the LPs are looking for in terms of return, in terms of how that affects what we ask our founders to do? Yeah, I think, I think it's both LPs and VCs. Yeah. So I, I think the LPs are at fault because they want to put more and more. So some of these endowments now, um, you know, this is public information. Yale endowment now is 23% venture or 20% venture. Now I'm not talking private equity. I'm talking the entire endowment, right? And maybe there are. You know, because Yale is the uh, trailblazer and Yale is the, everybody looks. So there's probably a dozen of other endowments that are like Yale, right? And perhaps it should be, right? Because companies are staying private longer. They've done really well at venture. So it's a number of factors. But the end result is, you know, look, um, you know, um, a fifth to a quarter of the, uh, of the, you know, the endowment is now, now in, in, in venture. So I don't, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's the problem of just, the LPs, I, I think the, the the VCs are incented yeah. to make money off the fees, right? If you have a billion, four billion dollar fund, you're charging, and none of these funds charge two and twenty, right? <laughs> two and twenty is so think premium. So most of these funds are charging premium, and then they they can they can have they can have a fund for this sector and fund for that geography. Now all of a sudden, you know. It's a, it's, you become an asset manager. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, but you become, and, and so I, I think, I think the traditional VCs will cede the control of the early stage 
you know, to, to the next gen, you know, and I think it'll be these next, next gen founders, uh, but, but they can coexist, right? I'm not saying that these VCs will, you know, there will be, you know, a few VCs that will become the next Blackstone, the next uh, Tiro Price, the next Leg Leg Mesa. You know, and you've actually seen this, right? You've seen some VCs selling their uh, selling their GPs yeah. to uh, to asset managers. You totally. know, so they're already thinking like yeah. asset managers. Uh, General Catalyst and Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The and yeah. so uh, how do these um, platforms emerge? Or, sorry, uh, evolve over time? You know, you mentioned EF, you mentioned in, um, you know uh, Sasser, you mentioned studios. How do they over time? Do they keep the same f- fund size? Do they? You know, YC went and raised a growth fund, a billion dollar, you know, continuity. How, how, do, how do you think these firms evolve or how, how should they evolve these platforms? I, I think nobody knows the answer just yet, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons you and you have to be comfortable with this uncertainty, right? To say, to be dogmatic and saying, look, this is this is what your fund size should be. This is what the, the beauty of this is that, you know, people are going to make mistakes, and that's why so many people can't do it because they're petrified of making a mistake. But it's fine. If you have a portfolio, you're going to make mistakes on a few. But if you get them right, and, and you know, we've done, we've done now 10 of these studios. With each one, we're learning something new, right? It's, it's not that the, the first one is the best. It's like with everyone, you, you know, these models are getting better and better and better. Uh, and there's no right answer, right? And they're still flawed. They're still flawed. Why are they flawed? Because, you know, the two and 20 model is flawed. You know, a company model can't apply to a studio or a platform, right? And a fund model can't apply to a platform because the platform is so, um, you know, it's so op- operationally intensive. You know, um, you, you have to build, you have to build software. You have to build, in one case, you have to build companies. In other case, you have to build software. You have to have maybe physical locations, whatever your, your thing requires, right? You have to deliver those services. And the traditional models can't, you know, the business model doesn't support that. So, so it's, you know, it's a really, it's a really profound um, thing, but that's where the opportunity is, right? It's not for the faint hearted. The faint hearted said, Oh, give me a two and 20. I will never take a lot of people who've said, I will never take any, you know, it's just like, I will not take market risk. I will not take structure risk. Just give me the standard vanilla models. I know what I'm getting, getting, but. Let's say you were running one of these big endowments that's putting, you know, 20% into venture or, and has a lot of resources. How would you think about endowment, portfolio construction or diversification? How, if you were solely running it, what would your approach be? So look, I would run like hell from the, from the, from the school because most of these schools, they themselves are getting disrupted. You know, Lambda School, EF, they're disrupting the universities. You already, I mean, it's no secret here, right? The, the, the credentials that these universities provide you, right? More and more people are realizing it's pretty, you know, it's pretty useless. Like, it's like, you know, you have an MBA. Well, that doesn't really help you much, right? If you've, if you've spent, you know, a year at a hyper growth company, you take that over an MBA any day of the week, yeah. right? So, so it's this. I think these 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 firms are so. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I want to make a lot. Most of my f- friends that are, are you know things run run endowments like 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 those, um, and uh, and so I I think um, um, I think it's super hard, right? It's super hard for the incumbents to change, um, and that uh, most of the 
what would I do? I mean, I would do what I'm doing right yeah, now. Totally. Right. Just a bigger, uh, bigger scale. Yeah. At a bigger scale. Right. So I, I would do what we're doing right now. And frankly, I think I love the fact. I love the fact that we're constrained by capital because it's almost like, you know, it's almost like art, right? If you look at the people who don't have constraints, then they do crazy things. When you have constraints, actually people think it's very liberating when you have, when you have no constraints. Actually, the most liberating things is when you have constraints, right? Because you know, there's so you, you can have so many different things on the on your palette, but you just you you only have those two colors, right? right. And and then it, things become simple for you. So. It's like this, these are the only two things that I can do. I'm sorry, you're not this, right? I don't have to say no to a thousand things. Right. Um, and I when I and when I recognize something, it's it's uh, it's much much better. So yeah, I mean, um, frankly, I I think the endowments foundations just between you and I, I think they have the worst job on the planet. Yeah. Right. Right now they have they have an unenviable job. Why? Because they have to chase returns yeah. and they have to invest. And you've seen they're going to invest at the top of the cycle. So yeah. the people who are already in great managers, they've done great. You know, they just they're going to get a uh, distribution from Plaid and they're going to get a distribution yeah. from Credit Karma and, and uh, Datadog, and that's fantastic. But the people who are investing now, the people who have 0% into venture, and now they're going to have to put put money, 20% of their endowment in venture, they're going to just invest in the wrong type of things, right? Yeah. Um, so at the top of the market. Yeah. How Speaking of the macro thing for a second, how should VCs think about the macro environment and how that should affect you know, how they invest or, or their firm strategy? Should they ignore the macro uh, fundamentals? Should they be trying to time the market in some way? How should be they be thinking about you know, the, the, what to think about? Yeah, um, you know, so all the VCs are super, super smart, you know, and they have been through many cycles. They do a great job with portfolio construction. They do, you know, so I think all of them, like the great firms, they already know this, right? They, 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 they of course, they can't sit on the sidelines. So whenever they see, um, so I think, I think what's really hard for them is the same as VCs are no different than any corporation right it's like when when you have a you know um so so going back to disruption right it's not that you don't see it right they're seeing all this there is no competitive response that they can do right they can still respond like they can dial down the amount of capital they invest or they can dial down you know the number of geographies that they go into or different sectors should they set blockchain out should they set ai out or iot you know so they their competitive response is limited and they're super super smart they know but they can't reinvent themselves you, you actually have to reinvent the whole, you know, reinvent the whole thing. And a lot of times now, now, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that, you know, YC works, right? So it's like, oh, okay, YC works. But a lot of them are really skeptical of the newer models. It's like, yeah, YC worked. We were skeptical, but now we know it works, you know. Um, but, 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 you know, so I think by the time they're convinced, you know, that's some new model. And plus they can't reinvent themselves into, into, um, into that new model. So yeah. it's, I think it's really hard. I think what, what will happen is what's still easy for them is to capture the beta. Yeah. Right. So they can capture the beta. Now, I hope, you know, I hope that the beta will become more like private equity beta. Yeah. So some of these, you know, some of these companies uh, will will still do well. Um, you know, it will in at the later stages, maybe maybe it will not be 
as much of a power bar. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll be more a uh, normal, normal distribution. Yeah. And is there a reason why you don't do growth? Is it because it's harder to differentiate or harder arbitrage or, and, and do you not advise your, um, you know, early stage practices to go later stage or do, is it less good for you if they go later stage? Or no, you... absolutely. Look, you know, we support, you know, we hope that some of our, some of our funds become, uh, you know, become growth funds. Uh, we're fine with that, you know. Um, look, it's, we don't encourage them or we don't discourage them, yeah. right? We'd love for them to be, be, you know, own the early stage, but if that's what they want, right, it is, it is uh, totally fine. Um, and I wouldn't say we don't do, you know, don't do growth. For, for me, it's again about the constraints, right? So it's like, okay, uh, it's so easy to, it's much easier to do growth, yeah. right? It's much easier to do growth. It's so much harder to do the things we're doing. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, so you know, uh, may, maybe it's it's uh, you know, in the short term, of course, some of these growth funds have really uh, you know spectacular returns. Yeah. Um, but um, but but you know, people forget that you know, um, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, there were a lot of funds that were written up. You know, they had a fiscal in it, or they had a living social in it. And those funds are written down, you know. So, 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 you know, we have, you know, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, uh, maybe, you know, a third or at least 25% of the unicorns are more similar to WeWork yeah. than to uh, Airbnb, right? It's interesting. You know, I'm always curious by what types of firms decide to take different strategies. For example, Thrive, you started, I think, like 40 million, maybe it's 10 million and then 40. And then, you know, now it's, you know, probably billion plus AUM, maybe two and, and, you know, other firms, you know, first round stays at 225 and, and, you know, some, you know, benchmark stays at 450 or whatever, you know, that range. It's just interesting to see different firms take different strategies and what that says about their own ambitions or personalities or. I, I think in the past, and that's, that's really kind of a telling point, you know, in the past, the only good measure of your ambition used to be AUM, yeah. right? But now I think, I mean, do you do you care what you know? How many how many people raised over five hundred million dollar funds in two thousand eight? Those there were maybe like maybe maybe forty fifty funds raised yeah. funds over to five hundred million. You know, at least twenty five, right? And I, I'm pretty sure, you know, many of them didn't return capital. This yeah. is like sitting at one, 1. 1.5x or, right. you know, and why, why returned a six, you know, is probably at sitting at 600x, right? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want a YC or do you want one of those, you know, one of those funds that's building things? So I think it's, you know, I, I think what you really want to measure is not not the AUM. It's you want to measure um, uh, measure the platform building, and then also the other thing which you haven't touched upon. The biggest thing about firm building is this AUM is meaningless because you run into something which which is hanging like an axe on on all of these firms, which is generational transfer. Right? You're only even if you're a great picker. Right. Well, you have to pass the baton to somebody else. Right. And so you, you, you was like, yeah, it's, it's great until you're not, you know, and, and right. you know, by, by the time, if you have, by the way, most people who have a very big hit, and you've seen this, if, you know, you know, most people who have a very big hit, they, they retire, right? They retire or, 
or they feel so you know they they feel they feel it's so hard to top that that hit right it's like oh i i just invested in facebook or, or airbnb it's like how am i going to top top that right that's kind of like that's the defining um thing that i that i invested in and so a lot of these 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 new things it's why yc didn't miss, miss a beat when 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 Paul left, you know, so it's like, you know, when you build an institution, you know, it's less dependent on a, on the founder. You sure. you built a factory, yeah. you know, and um, so I think that's that's a really really important thing, right? So a lot of these firms, you know, the the today ambition is defined just in terms of um uh in, in just in terms of AUM. Actually, it should be defined along yeah. these other firm building me- vectors, yeah. right? Does that mean that, you know, it's been sort of gospel forever? People always made fun of Dave McClure, for example, about you need a concentrated portfolio strategy. And of course, YC is, does 400 companies, maybe 500 a year. Are you, are you more excited about firms? I guess that, that can do more and more companies at a certain quality scale. So I, I think I look at it differently, right? So I think both of those strategies could be wrong or both of those strategies could, could work depending on what. So the way I look at it, right? It's very easy to say, oh, I want to get a 10x or I want to get a 5x. Well, how are you going to get it, right? So the only way you're going to get it in venture, only way you get the power law is if you have, if you have limited downside and you have unlimited upside. Right. Right. So, you know, so when you start investing 300 million at 2 billion valuation in a, from a 1.5 billion dollar fund, you don't have yeah. limited downside. You, you have you know, significant downside and then you have limited upside. Right. So it's it's actually so it's not so much about, you know, that's the first knee jerk reaction again. So we look at it. We look at the world completely differently. Right. Yeah. It was like, OK, is this allowing you to have to uh, to have asymmetric upside yeah. right so plat as i said platforms allow you to have asymmetric upside studios allow you to have asymmetric upside yeah. right and in both cases you have you have limited downside totally. you know with studios you can do it you know you can do fewer companies you know, most studios don't require that much money you yeah. know you, you could you could build a studio with 20 you know, you have a $20 million fund. It's laughable. Well, you could build a great studio with $20 million. Yeah. So, and is your portfolio construction, do you think about it? Hey, a third studio is a third platform is a third traditional funds, or how do you think about your own portfolio construction? I think it's all about the people, yeah. right? So, I mean, we, you know, increasingly, I mean, you can't imagine some of the best founders that I now talk to, like you said, founders will seek founders. Yeah. Some of the best founders, they're like, Alex, even the ones who raised funds, like, oh, I wish I knew I could do a studio with you. I would have done a studio in a heartbeat because their upside is so much more. And, you know, so many of these founders, when I talk to them, they're like, Alex, I have one more company. I have two more companies in them. Right. And in me, I, you know, I don't want to do a fund because I have I have these companies in me. Right. So my my kind of uh, thing is like I educate them. Uh, now, now, a few people will still say, look, I still want to do a fund yeah. and it's fine. I'll support them uh, if I really think they're an amazing founder. Uh, but but, you know, and then platforms are so hard to build. Yeah. 
right? They're so hard to build, right? You have to be so crazy to build 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 something. Especially and especially and it's actually it's even worse in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Because it's so easy in the in in the Bay Area, it's so easy. Yeah. Because I'm just going to invest in my Stanford friends. I'm just going to invest in my Facebook friends, right? And you will do great, so, you know. So you don't have to work that hard. You don't have to work as hard as the people in in Europe because you know, you know, everybody speaks the same language. You don't have to talk to Polish founders and Romanian founders and. And just to, to double double down on what what makes something platform versus not a platform is it something that gets great opportunities at scale and it maybe gets pricing power, maybe it doesn't and gets stronger, better with network effects or what, what's that? Yeah, when network effects is the most important. Network effects is a, is a great thing, right? Yeah. And it's like, how do you capture network effects, right? Network yeah. effects at scale, right? Yeah. I mean, what, and you know, do, do, a, you know, I mean, when I look at, when I look at Airbnb, right? It's like a, it's like a company with global network effects, right? Yeah. You know, it's like YC is like Airbnb. It's right. Like but SB Angel is not like YC, right? As- as is a great firm, but they, yeah. they don't have network effects. They don't have network effects. You know, although you could argue that, you know, Ron is the network effect. You know, Ron has his network of its own and that yeah. keeps getting stronger and stronger. But yeah, it, but they haven't kind of made it a systemic, right? Yeah. They don't have, it hasn't translated into a systemic advantage. They haven't built software around it. And, you know, it's so it's those, uh, it's those, uh, yeah. What do you think about ClearBank or these sort of, you know, people have been talking about debt recently, sort of different kinds of uh, investment, um, sort of, or financial, you know, engineering. Y- yes. Um, Are you so, excited about that or, or not uh, particularly? So I, I, am, I am kind of looking at, uh, at other models. And like you also mentioned SaaS companies, yeah. right? So uh, could you have a royalty-based yeah. uh, model? Could you have a debt-based model, right? Like um, uh, uh, equity financing is very, very dilutive, right? It's very dilutive. It's, um, it doesn't align when, well with founders in a lot of cases, right? Um, and there's some businesses that will be really good. And also goes back to, you know, um, like, like we said about misalignment, right? I think what's misaligned here is is how much capital the VCs are forcing these companies to take. take. Look at, you know, um, uh, Assurance IQ. $3 billion exit. Guess how much money it raised from Sequoia? Zero. They didn't raise a single a single dollar of VC money in three years. In three three or four years, there is three billion dollar exit to to Prudential. No money, right? Um, people don't. You know, we forget, we forget. We we talk about oh, SendGrid and this and that. Well, there is. Uh, what value would we ascribe to uh, uh, Mailchimp, right? It must be forty billion at least, right? Uh, they're doing like five, six billion in revenue, right? With crazy margins, maybe more, right? So it's like you know, you can build companies, um, uh, you know, with with high margins, cost, uh, you know, um, uh, efficiently, you know. So I I think right now, um, right now you have more, uh, uh, you know, you have. M- m- uh, Things. So yeah, so I'm looking at these royalty-based models and some of the others I've um, seen a couple of people do really interesting things. Um, and actually, they're not venture-funded. But, but yeah, so we're, we're exploring some of those. I haven't seen something which is, you know, radically different, which can also capture, which can also capture the upside, right? The asymmetric upside. So it's not just, you know. Totally. The In, in closing here, we're talking about disrupting venture. I want to talk about uh, crazy idea. 
you know, there's a theory that a lot of uh, industries are propped up by regulation and venture is no different. The, uh, a few regulations come to mind. One is the accredited investor rule. You can't invest unless you're a millionaire or make over, you know, 250K for a few years. Uh, the general solicitation, you can't, you, you can't, you sort of publicly say you're fundraising that prevents a lot of people from, from raising funds. There's the cap table limitations or restrictions there. 100, um, and then there's, something, yeah. yeah, there's also sort of a GB vesting prevents a lot of people from, from leaving firms quicker. Uh, crypto was hope, you know, the ICO boom in a few years ago was hoping to get around this, this, this idea that anyone can invest. It's, it's liquid. Um, you can have, you know, hundreds of people on your cap table. Where are you excited there? If, if we're here five years from now or 10 years from now, and, you know, one of those regulations has meaningfully changed or, or sort of, what do you think about these types of disruptions? I think all of those are, could be real, like crowdfunding, um, and crypto, especially, you know, could be super, super disruptive. Um, I think it just became too speculative. Uh, looking back, crowdfunding has had minimal to, you know, impact on venture as a whole, right? Uh, it has a very, very, so I think, I think because most people overestimated, you know, retail investors are not going to move the needle. And even if the retail investors start investing, you need to have institutional backstop. Right. So most of the people who created these retail platforms, they never, they never, we have a theory in there and we're working on something on that side. I'm not going to tell you it's proprietary just yet. We're working on it. This could be solved, but it's solved in a different way. You need to have institutional backstop to provide liquidity to provide things. So I think it was, it was like this, just like peer to peer lending. It was great, but it never made a dent on things, right? And a few companies went public as well. It hasn't made a dent in the lending universe, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing, like, you know, peer-to-peer venture. And I think crypto is still very, very, um, you know, um, it's still very speculative, yeah. right? A couple and, things that were Bitcoin, huh? Bitcoin or Ethereum Bitcoin or some Ethereum of the best so I, I love Ethereum. I think I'm a big fan of Ethereum, right? So I, I love, love, but I'm just from a standpoint of, of institutional investing, also, there is so much, uh, you know, kind of this, so many bad actors around these things, you know, that I think it's hard for like traditional institutional investors to, to embrace it in a, you know, yeah. in a broad based manner. So I, I think, um, you know, I think they're very exciting. Um, I, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I am looking. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, that's why I've never invested in a, uh, in a crypto fund because I was like, oh, if you want to do a crypto fund, well, you should be decentralized, just like the decentralized things. So I've never seen a de- decentralized fund, you know. So yeah, I, I, it'd be fantastic. So those are things I'm watching. Um, but the reason these things have been so hot, that goes to my other, uh, other things, right? I don't like to do things that are too hot. Yeah. They're so hot. When they're so hot, all the hot cap, you know, yeah. cap, because we can't differentiate ourselves by capital. Everybody has capital. Yeah. You know, we want to differentiate our things by, by the things, by, by our worldview and our value add, yeah. you know. I do like to point out that if you invested in sort of the early, you know, stage of Bitcoin or Ethereum, it's almost, it might be even better than, uh, oh, much better than, than Facebook or Google oh, or, or, yeah. or you know, one of these. But, uh, of course, you know, TBD if that ever happens again. But, uh, on that note, uh, we've gone way over, uh, this has been a fantastic episode. My guest today has been Alex Bangash. If you are building a platform, you're building a studio, I highly recommend, uh, or just anything in venture, highly recommend, uh, uh, reaching out to him and talking to him. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's been a great episode. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been such a, a, such a privilege talking to you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. 
you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.